welcome to episode 68 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. And Daz, thankfully we're back, mate. We're back just before 2018 kicks over uh, to give our fans what they've been asking for, another podcast. It's probably been a good few weeks uh, since we've since we last spoken. But how are you enjoying the NBA season? The Milwaukee Bucks, dare I say it, Daz, they are the number one team in the entire league as we sit here and speak on December 30. Could you have believed that when we started the, the season? No, I completely even let you finish the sentence. No, I can't believe it. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of hibernation for me, a little bit. Work got a bit crazy. Uh, so I'll be honest, I was I was really out of the loop for about three or four weeks there, early part of December. So it's been great having um, betting on, on annual leave, right, and then just absolutely binging and catching up on everything the last week. So... Yeah, culminating with a, I was so pleased that the Brooklyn Nets made a, a very, very shorthanded Brooklyn Nets, um, made a very spirited comeback um, against the Bucks today, which made Giannis exert his will. He went six for six in the fourth quarter and doing some stuff with the basketball that looks like, you know, occasionally will give you flashes of six foot 11 Kyrie with his behind the back and in the lane in close quarter stuff. So Daz, I'm on cloud nine. The Bucks, I don't, you know, almost literally, almost don't care if they win a championship. Just getting to watch the magician called Giannis do what he does on a nightly basis, man, is is absolutely it is it is again. This is probably the 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 having lived a life in NBA purgatory. Um, I'm I'm already sort of accepting that, trying to pinch myself and just soak up every moment, Daz. So. So well, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I said to you today, I'm really happy that you've you're, you're getting to experience a little bit of the San Antonio magic as rub off with Mike Budenholzer because the last season I think a lot of people were looking at Boston as being sort of Spurs East, but I think Bucks have overtaken them now. And and why I say that is you're seeing guys like DJ Wilson come out who everyone had written off and thought this was just a bust of a pick. And he comes out now and looks like a competent NBA player. Now, whether he's going to continue to contribute into the playoffs or not, I think is an open question. But the guys, as they come off the bench, they look good, they look competent, they're playing within a system, and Buds knows how to develop guys. And just the, the competence, again, on, on the coaching bench, you know, all the little things that they're getting right this season in Milwaukee uh, and, and the coherence that they have as a franchise and on the court night to night is just a breath of fresh air from, from what we saw last season with the, the Prunty Kid train wreck. Yeah, so look, when you, when you compare it to that, that, that abomination, and it, it's in some ways validating that, you know, as those of us who aren't, uh, surprise, surprise, aren't um, professional basketball people, um, when we, we just, we stomped our feet all year long saying the coaching is the problem, coaching is a problem you could just you could just feel it. it just every eye test said when chris middleton isn't shooting threes and when Giannis is getting clogged up and bottled and and eric bledsoe one of the, one still one of the fastest men in the nba is just constantly not being uh, not being utilized you just sort of felt like it was a coaching so you just never know how this stuff unfolds so what terrific sliding doors moment for you know, for, for Budenholzer getting run out of town for the completely rebuilding Hawks. And then, you know, um, Horst having the nous to, and I guess the kudos to the owners as well, ponying up suddenly 7 million bucks a year for a head coach is that's definitely not Milwaukee Bucks um, thinking that's, you know, we haven't paid a coach that much since George Carl in relative terms. So it's, um, 
bit of a perfect storm or uh, lightning in a bottle, maybe a better way to say it, with coaching, with young guys developing, knowing their roles, with um, amazing bargain basement signings, which is getting all, a lot of properly getting publicity the way Brooke Lopez is, um, is playing, particularly his, you know, his, his defense and his three-point shooting, of course. So it's, um, you know, it's all clicking right now, but um, like LeBron's groin strain or a Zaza Pachulia undercut or whatever, right? Or a John Wall, um, you know, heel surgery or a Chris Paul hammy, you know, is a fragile, fragile um, thing right now. So, um, so yeah, we're enjoying it while it lasts. Um, they look, they're an absolute lot of fun. And, um, yeah, number one in the freaking conference. Well, what I, liked, what I liked from them today is the Nets came back a couple of times in that game. The, the Bucks had sort of get out to a 10-point lead. The Nets had come back. And it just sort of was one of those games where that kept happening. You always felt the Bucks were in control. But rather, when, when the Nets made their runs, rather than the Bucks just continuing to bomb throughs, they basically just said, all right, Giannis, get us a bucket. And Giannis would just go in and dunk it. And he probably had, what, four or five dunks, I think, that sort of started yeah. runs again for Milwaukee. And that's what I've been looking for from this team because a few games I've seen them, Daz, where they've just kept bombing away. And when the threes don't land and you look at the box score at the end and they've shot nine of you know, 37 from three and Brook Lopez is over for 11 or something like that, um, and yep. I think that might have even been the last time they played the Nets in Brooklyn. That that was the sort of box score you saw. Today they didn't just keep bombing away. You know they 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 had a plan B if you like, where they just said, "All right, Giannis, you're the superstar. Get us a few buckets, level us out again, and then we can get back into the system." And sometimes it, just, it is just a matter of getting a few buckets and. and getting the scoreboard ticking over again rather than doing what Houston did in Game 6 or Game 7 last year and just continually bombing away and hoping that one of, one of the shots lands. So, um, so I, look, I've been very impressed with Milwaukee. I think, I think Giannis is the runaway MVP favourite at, at this stage. I, I struggle to see who's going to make the case to beat him unless he gets injured in the second half of the season. Um, I just think he, he's so far and away at the moment the best player in the NBA, uh, from a numbers point of view, and the fact that well, the team's winning. Yeah, as I say, but poor LeBron. You know, with this, you know, LeBron doesn't get hurt, and so when he misses a couple weeks, you know, that will likely, you know, uh, I wouldn't say take him out of the the conversation entirely, but that's a you know a bit of a demerit for him. And then, um, yeah, look, you know, James Harden will 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 try to generate some chatter, but. I don't think he, you know, we know how this stuff works is he's got none of the narrative, right? When he's still a below average league shooter, his usage is 38%. And he's basically become free throw shooting Kobe Bryant, right? He's just a, he's just a, oh, his last 10 a games man has shooter. been very good, but before that he's, he was, he's he was subsisting on, on three. Frames. He's scoring a ton, but again, he's 38 leading the league in usage, right? And mm. having necessity. And so I kind of go, I think, the right minds, you know, narrative is a big deal. I was even remarking to you offline. It's it's a very very strange phenomenon for a for me to be a Bucks fan, kind of going, oh my god. Every time I listen to a podcast or read a little blurb or you catch a glimpse of a national national coverage, it's Giannis this and Giannis that. I can't wait till the shoe deal comes out and oh my god, look at the highlight. It's just sort of the league has got Giannis fever, which is super super fun, right, for a Bucks fan. Um, but um, so it's it's almost evidence that I think we're living 
we might be living the same narrative Russ had from, you know, December onward and the same narrative that... Uh, oh, I think it's a different narrative, year, but... Daz, from this point of view. I don't think well, you're talking yeah. about this guy as the MVP. I think we're talking about this guy as the best player in the world. I think he's... I think oh, he's right. raising yeah. up to yeah. that level, Daz. I never thought Westbrook was going to knock off LeBron. I never thought Harden was going to knock off right. LeBron. Okay. And it's always been really AD or, or Giannis that's going to do it. Now, AD remains to be seen uh, where he sort of ends up in terms of his ceiling, etc. But what Giannis is doing is just opening people's eyes. And this is a guy that's doing it without shooting threes, Daz. So, and, and we're, yeah. we're consistently told that the three-point shot is the be-all. Two for three today. Of the, <laughs> hey, and, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, the first one sort of just crept over the front of the rim, but the second one looked like a it little did. bit better of a stroke um, than what the first one did. Look, he's still putting him up. I, I've still got some confidence, Daz, that he'll get there because this is a guy that continues to work on his game. So it's not like he's going to rest on his laurels after this season and say, that's it, I'm not getting any better. This guy has a has an aim and a goal to be the greatest player of all time. Now, I don't think he'll get to that level, but I think within within two years, I think he'll be the best player in in the NBA because I think we're already seeing LeBron maybe sort of cool off a little bit and come down a step. And LeBron hasn't played defense for five years, so you know that that always yeah, to me factors yeah. against the guy. That's fair. That's fair. And look, I think just the. Um, we, we'll maybe sort of wrap up the, the, the Bucks love. Um, far be it for me to say that, but you had called this out. Um, I forgot what, at some point, but even saying, I think right when Bud was hired to see what's next from Giannis and what, what I'm seeing with Giannis, not just the system stuff, what I'm seeing Giannis still learning, but also improving at is this learning when, and you just mentioned it, mentioned it about the, the, this meaningless Brooklyn Nets game is he's learning more when to exert himself, when to take over and be selfish, when to drive and dish, right? He's learning that, that, that nuance of the emotions and runs of games and that sensing the whole system and has all of his teammates around him when he should lead, when he should facilitate, when he should get angry, when he should have tough love, when he should be gentle. You know, he um, just the other night had gotten to a, very what could have easily led to multiple game suspensions if he had a you know a Brandon Ingram temperament let's say for example when um Enos can Ennis Enos Ennis Cantor anyway um uh basically no it wasn't Cantor um yeah it was Cantor Cantor got into his um Cantor had a really hard foul it was just a, a good old-fashioned 1980s hard foul right the cheap shot was today on Kenneth Freed, who ripped him ripped him down from behind. So, um, uh, but Cantor um, yesterday in the Knicks game literally just kind of forearm to the face, and they didn't call it. Let's just assume they missed it, right? And then Cantor goes up in his grill, right? Cantor wants to fight the Turkish government. Like Cantor just wants to fight, and he just so clearly picked a fight with Giannis and thought it was a little bit of street fighter. Him and Fisdale, had, Fisdale didn't look surprised in the slightest. I think they thought, hey. Can we pull a nut punch here and see if we can steal a victory? But uh, And Giannis didn't flinch, man. I was impressed because he got literally forearm to the face, knocked to the ground. Then he got up, and Cantor was doing like the not-quite-headbutt, but he, I don't know if you saw the play, Daz, but Cantor's like pressing yeah, his forehead pressing his head up against thing, yeah. like boxers do in like a press conference. So, and Giannis just turned and walked away. So um, that's stuff he has to learn, right? And he had all the right answers after in the post game, saying, "Look, 
I'm here to win games, not mess around with me. Well, he's 100% right. Way, Don't mess not, around. Not with mess his... around with meaningless players. Is yeah. kind of what he said. And he's he's so, right um, there. He's 100% yeah. right. But again, and... that's 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 development. My point, my my, I start. That's development. It's he's not been putting the situations before where he's he is now the target, which is what must LeBron must have felt and probably still feels to an extent every game, every play. He wants to get hit. He's going to get punched. He's going to get challenged. He's going to get guys trying to bust him in the chops and learning that um learning how to handle it in the right moment uh in the moment is is again it's it's fun to watch him handle it in all the right ways that he hope he would yeah i'll be interested to see how they call his play in the playoffs is is he going to live at the three throw line or is he not going to get a call or is it going to be somewhere in between because he's a hard guy to officiate because he's creating contact every time basically has the ball and it's like when do you call a foul and when do you not call a foul and he does and he doesn't play like harden where he's jerking his head around and and he's not looking for the contact to draw a foul and not finish the shot, if you know what I mean. And we see that a lot now in the NBA. It's one of my pet hates is guys going in and actually looking for the contact, not even looking to make the shot. Whereas Giannis is looking to dunk on your skull every time. But but (laughs) a lot of times he's actually getting fouled. Like he got fouled on one today. And I thought, how did they not call their name one? But it was such a ferocious dunk. It was, you felt so bad for the guy that got dunked on. You're like, I'm not going to give that name one as well. So uh, right, I, I watch, except for my little um, my diversion December. I still watch almost every Bucks game, and um, he gets hammered. He, he gets hammered a lot, and he, a lot of calls get missed. That's part one. But that for me is I don't think he's unique. I think LeBron has lived this right. Oh, hundred percent. Right, like I don't I, a Shaq right in a very different type of body and different type of frame lived it. So I don't think Giannis is unique in this. And it is very, very frustrating within the confines of a single game. It's very, very frustrating when you see him get hacked and pushed and shoved and doesn't get called. But then part of me also says, shit, this is um, right. This is just how superstars have to right. This is how you get chiseled, right? This is how you get hardened and get focus and perhaps right get even more determination and more grit. And these guys are driven to to fight through all the adversity. That's that's what I'm seeing Giannis do, which is what's so crazily encouraging and why probably the world is to your point is going, Holy Christ, he's still getting better. Forget the outside shot, right? This guy is MVP candidate without a jump shot. And I go, cause he's still getting better around temperament and leadership and playmaking and, and tempo setting and, and all the rest of it. And that's, that's just been a fucking delight to watch Daz because people are throwing all kinds of shit at him. Um, but you're right. So the more tactical point, which I've seen a number of times in Buck's Twitterati goes crazy over it is that, you know, the NBA's freedom of movement rules are trying to be enforced this year and Holy flying fuck. Every time Giannis gets a switch and he's got a smaller <laughs> guy on him, they got two hands on him and yeah. two hands by definition is a foul and they never ever call it. And so again, I know Giannis isn't first big man, who gets little guys or smaller guys just constantly manhandling him, shoving him and kind of directing his movements, but it's happening all the time. So say he'll get a, whatever, a six foot seven auto Porter defending him and Porter's got two hands on him, but guess what? Giannis is six eleven, two forty, And so he's getting moved, but it's just, it doesn't feel like a foul. So 
So it'll be interesting to see how technical the refs get in the playoffs with that sort of thing. And would that then change the defensive strategies if they start calling it really, really technically? So say, you know, Horford gets switched off and Tatum's on him. Tatum's going to have to put his hands in his back. Are they going to call it? Because if he's not, he's going to get eaten for lunch. So it's going to be interesting to see from a ref perspective as well, not just the Giannis earning the respect and fighting his way through it, but technically, will they call all the? I think you know, you'll find they probably will. I think he's going to live at the I line wonder. because, and this is why I say it because because you're playing the same opponent every game. So you might find in game one Giannis doesn't yeah. get any calls, but in game two, the officials are going to be looking at the game tape and saying, "Hang on, we're missing this." Tatum's got his hands on him, or, mm. or Simmons has got his hands on him, whoever the opponent might be, we need to start calling that. So then they start looking for it, and all of a sudden, Giannis is now getting those calls. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be one of the fascinating things. And and the last point I'd make on Giannis, too, is I've got confidence that the jump shot's going to come right for two reasons. One, that it doesn't look broken to the eye test in terms of when he's taking it. Uh, and the other thing is he's shooting well from the, or reasonably well from the three-throw line. So it's not like he's... he's well, complete... he's 70%. He's well, it's, 70%, as I say, that's reasonably yeah, well for, for essentially a big passable. man. For essentially a big man. I mean, I think he's shooting better than the LeBron is this year from the three-throw line. So um, I think it'll come. Yeah, I yeah. think it'll come because this is another guy, as I said, that's going to rest on his laurels. But look, let, let's move on from the Bucks. Let's let's move to the big contender out west, as and that's the San Antonio Spurs, the 9-3 and three in their last 12 San right. Antonio Spurs, the number five offensive-rated team in the NBA despite shooting the lowest number of three-pointers per game in the NBA. So I, I thought that... What's their offensive rating? Number five. Yeah, I believe it. So I keep I getting told from these there. analytics guys, yeah. Daz, you have to shoot threes. You have to shoot a high volume of threes or it's unsustainable. I keep hearing that, and yet the Spurs have got the number five offensive rating. Do you think at the end of this season, if the Spurs keep this in place, the analytics guys will say, put their hand up and say, we're wrong. We are wrong. No, can, of course they won't. You can it's have an a good offense. It doesn't, win over, it doesn't, you know, doesn't work over long trials. Uh, you know, they're an irrational actor. You hear all this legal jargon, and I go, I'm, I'm actually quite, for, for a nerd myself, it, you've heard me rant about it before, but since you've opened the door, I, uh, I was the, you know, I was the white kid in a meaningless small town in fucking Wisconsin who could just shoot the ball, and in whatever year that was, 1986, 87, when the three-point line came in, it didn't take a fucking Harvard PhD to figure out three was more than two. Three is more than two, right? So I, I just, I'm a little bit Jeff Van Gundy, Charles Barkley with the analytics stuff, and I go, it, it's not fucking complicated to go a layup is easier than a 20-foot jumper, and three is more than two. That's what we're talking about here. That's it. Well, what we're talking That's about, really though, is it. really, so go, we're talking about what? percentages. Because what they're That's saying right. is, if you shoot 33% from three, well, across course. 90 shots, and you shoot 45% from two on 90 my, shots, it's my the same. Point to you, but my point to you is we learned that in third grade, Daz. So I go, quote, the analytics t- you know, group, unquote. They might uh, – I'm wide open to them showing us stuff around injuries or rehabilitation or fucking, dare I say, fucking rest or right uh, uh, using sports science to figure out – nutrition and you know fitness levels and the stuff that Steph Curry has famously done to get his body 
right? I am all about analytics and science to help improve performance, but I, it, I'm with Pop fully on this one. And Charles Barkley going, number one, the, the two analytics rules are one, layups are better than jumpers, fucking duh, and three pointers are worth more than two pointers. That's it, right? Am I crazy? It's layups and threes. So I'm, well, it I'm, is. I'm all about. It, guess it, what? Pop's team is really good at two pointers. They're really, really, really good at it. So I go, guess, guess what? That's that's good. That's fine. Win games. Right? Well, like, the best analogy, your... the best analogy I heard this year was Alvin Gentry, who the, the Pelicans went into San Antonio and got and got blown out. And he said, and and the Pels at this stage were playing. That was when they were playing well. Had everyone up and about. And they said, what happened? And he said, look, they just kept hitting singles. And he said, we're trying to hit home runs. And it was exactly right. Like the Spurs were just taking what the defense gave them. And a lot of defenses now give the Spurs or give these teams these long-range twos. And it's like if you if you build your team around guys like Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, Pau Gasol, DeMar DeRozan, who can shoot those at a high clip, they're not bad shots anymore. So the Spurs are just getting two every time. And if you're taking a, a 50% two-point shot, well, now the analytics is against you for taking threes, unless they're wide-open threes. So the Spurs lead the league in three-point percentage, lead the league in three-throw percentage, and they take more, and but they take less threes than anyone else because they're looking for the best shot. It's not about just saying, we have to take threes. I mean, how many of these teams do you see now where they're just... They're obsessed with just jacking up a three, and they'll pass up an open two that's probably a 70% shot to kick it See, out for a three that's a 30% shot. Houston over 27, Daz. Houston over 27, and and this is, I think, the the trolls stroke the critics who are an, anticipating being right, because the world's all about being right, isn't it, Daz? But the, the, the trolls stroke, um, you know, doomsayers are saying this is why, quote, Budenholzer can't coach in the postseason, unquote, because what if the Bucks also go for 0 for 27 or 0 for 15 from three-point land and the math doesn't hold over a short number of trials, therefore you lose a playoff series. And so that's the, this is where the, I guess the playoffs is, is the ultimate arbiter, isn't it? Is it's a seven game, you have a seven game trial to go, will the math win? Will Brooke, Brooke Lopez took, 15 threes today, Daz. I didn't misspeak. He attempted 15 three-pointers today. What did he hit in the end, seven or eight? Seven out of 15. Mm. They hit four in a row at one point to kind of, you know, make the game a blowout. He literally just, it's, it's the weirdest. Anyway, it's the weirdest phenomenon. But back to your point, right, is that, um, well, um, well, I keep hearing, the, I mean, that, the, the main point was I keep hearing from analytics guys. Efficiency, right? They, yeah. They're going to come back. This is not an offense that's going to stay there. At this stage of staying there, they're showing no signs of, of slowing down. Their defense is actually getting better. They're now 21st ranked in defense, which given they were basically the last ranked defense probably 10, 15 games. In yeah. Game, that's, a, that's a massive step up. I think they're going to stay in as a top five offensive team because they're just efficient. And it's not about just... Jacking up through, jacking up fifty threes a game. Well, it, it it might be right, but I go. There's more than one way to win a game. It isn't the ultimate. That's why I go. This binary, this binariness. Number one is foolish. Number two 
it was not invented by analytics people. It was invented by the basic foundations of mathematics and logic in 1986, that three is more than two and a layup's easier than a jump shot. That's the only two rules that I, I, I reject this notion of. Now, you want analytics guys to tell me um, over 100 average plays, you know, does hedging or sagging on a pick and roll with a cent one five, you know, with a one five PNR, which one works better? I'm all about the math. Give me the freaking data, right? But I'm going. There's there's so many more ways to score the basketball, and there's isn't it about winning. It's not about how many points you score, but it's the as Mike D'Antoni just score more than your opponent. And if if the ultimate way a team the ultimate coaching is about getting the most out of your team. And if pop is about looking at his roster and going, how do I get this team to win the most games possible? I would trust that pop's going to do the right thing. If pop had Milwaukee bucks roster, I'm guessing they're shooting more three pointers. Daz. That's what I did did in 24. Because he's a fucking great coach, right? He's a great. Yes. Right. They've shot tons of threes before, right? Kawhi had the green light. Tony would shoot more, but um. That's why I just can't – I hate this binary, simplistic criticism of, of the teams like the Spurs where, quote, it can't last. I'm like, that's just – that's just dumb. It's just lazy analysis is what it's it is. It's dumb and lazy. That's and I'm right. seeing yeah. it quite a bit when when people talk about the Spurs and just sort of dismiss this as some sort of aberration. And it's like, no, I, I don't think it is. Uh, and But we'll, look, we'll see. We'll see. There's a long way to go. We'll see. Yet. Look, they shot – they shot six for twenty-three today. Terrible. Whilst their opponent was nine for twenty, so not not high volume. They got outscored by nine at the three-point line, uh, nine to six. You know, right? They outscored by nine and outscored by two at the free-throw line. So guess what? And they won by eleven. Mm. Right? There's more than one way to win a basketball game than making three-pointers. And what we saw this, there was a ridiculous stat today, Daz, about again sample set of one about their efficient offense efficient offense at one point the clippers had clippers ended with 17 turnovers um i think they had spurs had 30 points off of those 17 turnovers which is a ridiculous ridiculous conversion which meant every time the clippers made a mistake your boys capitalized and a lot of those were live ball things so it was really easy like how many dunks did Rudy Gay to have today, right? Mm. I mean, you know, maybe he only made five shots. I, th- I swear, all five of them were dunks or layups. But they, being so efficient in transition, um, limiting the offensive rebounding, blah 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 blah, all the stuff about winning basketball games. Today was the perfect microcosm of Spurs basketball, where they won a game pretty comfortably, and they got completely outshot. Right? They did. It felt like the Clippers made more shots, and it wasn't the game wasn't particularly close. Well, the good thing I liked was a, a day after losing a game by missing through throws down the stretch today, they went twenty eight of thirty one at the line. So it's it's the little things that they work on and get right, and you don't generally see that happen two yeah two three games in a row. We did earlier did- in the season um, when they had a bit of a rough start, but there, there was never any panic among San Antonio. They, they always felt that this team, but they just had to wait for them to gel 
a lot of new players. Like when actually I looked at the amount of new players and new boosters they were trying to integrate into this team, um, it was actually quite stark when you when you sort of actually did break it down because they're trying to get Bryn Forbes to play as a point guard. That's not really been his position before either. Uh, so to try and do all that and expect the team's going to run out, you know, jump out of the blocks, which they obviously didn't, uh, but we're starting to see things come together now. So what's your your question without notice? What's your assessment of this team, right, compared to what you thought coming into the season, right? What's what do you uh, Dejunte injury, right? That's a given, right? Dejunte is hurt, but what's this team looking like to you? It's the, with the with obviously the massive defensive, you know, sort of downgrade from Kawhi to um, to Demar. But what's your What's your take on this team as a, as a, I guess as a, as a whole? Is this a, is this a team where you're thinking, shit, there's no reason they can't be a two or three seed, and be a pest, or are you have you accepted um, purgatory as your no, own? I haven't. I'm, and I'm knowing that next week could be zero and four, and then yeah, what's your what's your feeling? I'm a bit the, bullish now because to the, particularly to that the last three away games where they've they led Houston late and then lost. Let, uh, or didn't lead against Denver, just missed a few through throws that would have given them the lead late in, in a close loss and then won very comfortably today against the Clippers. Uh, so the away form's starting to turn around a little bit. I mean, they are 6-12 and 12 away, so it's obviously not a great record. Mm. The home record's very good. I think they're going to end up around... Like about, you said, def- defence travels, and they they have not been defending things. They so, haven't, yeah. but... The, the, that, today's the first game in, I think, 15 where they've actually conceded over 110 points. So that the defense, the team defense is really coming along well. Even DeMar DeRozan, who was atrocious for the first probably 20, 25 games of the season. Um, he's on been, defense. He's yeah. been good. Yeah. yeah, he's been excellent on offense, but he's been good on defense as well. You can see the team scheme, they're starting to understand it and they're starting to get there. Um, I mean, obviously, there's just some bad defenders individually within the team, yeah. so you're never going to reach the heights that they did uh, in previous years. But the, the, the recent signs have been good. Uh, but their schedule gets a little bit harder. They've got their the radio road trip in uh, early February. That's going yeah. to be the big test. Uh, and obviously, the that's next... what a six game trip or something or eight game. It's trip an eight or game something? trip. Eight game trip, but it yeah, covers God. the All Star break as well. So it yeah, you, okay. yeah I think they okay. have five All Star break and then another three. So it's not yeah. quite as bad as it sounds. But um, they've got a, an interesting week coming up. They've got Boston. Toronto and Memphis at home. Now, obviously, the Toronto Oof. one's a big one, but they're all at home. Now, if they can win all three of those, you then move to, uh, and I think at the moment they're 20 and 17. So if you can move to 23 and 17, it gives you that little bit of a buffer. Um, and I just, I, I, I love the way DeMar DeRozan's playing. I think the, the defense is starting to come along a little bit. So I think. Look, their absolute ceiling, I think, is probably the 4-5 seed and maybe sort of 47, yeah. 48 wins. I can't see them getting the 50 wins. Uh, I, I think had DeJounte played this year, I think I could have seen no. them up pushing up into the 50-win territory, but not without him. Uh, and, look, I, I don't think they're as good as OKC. Okay, so I don't think they're... I think they're about as good as Denver, but I just think Denver's got the talent to pull a few games out of their backside, where the Spurs probably don't. They need to be... They need to execute a lot better every night than what probably Denver do. And Denver had a lot of injuries, too, in that game. 
the other day. I think, you know, if Denver get their best team back on the court with Millsap, Gary Harris, guys like this, um, I think they're going to be uh, yeah. you know, a little feels bit better like, than the Spurs. It feels like Denver is this year, last year's Houston, doesn't it, where they're just the – I think they're going to stick around. They've been doing it with a lot of injuries as well, right? Harris missing time, Barton's missed basically the whole season, Millsap's in and out. So kind of what Denver's doing is is – I'm starting to. I just. I just. They still don't have a point guard. They just do they still not have, have a guy point guard. And they just don't execute the offense. That's Murray the has not problem. taken the leap, but um. Well, but, he was uh, excellent anyway. against the Spurs yesterday, but I agree. I just, they Shot just don't have that playmaker yeah. outside yeah. of what Jokic is doing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I think Houston are starting to seem to be starting to find their feet as well. So I. I I feel like Spurs, Spurs, Houston might end up fighting at that four five. Again, so. I, I, I just reject that notion that a few outcomes of victories where James Harden is scoring on fucking every possession, because Daniel House, right, um, Austin Rivers, and Gerald Green combined for ninety five minutes today, Daz, in a you know game they eked out. I mean, th- these are guys who are G League level. Okay, Gerald Green, I'm being a bit no, harsh, I don't but think I'm saying Austin Rivers is level. That's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh, but I'm I saying I think Austin Rivers is going to be this okay. Team, Ninety. My point was 95 minutes, Daz, from Daniel House, Austin Rivers, and and Gerald Green. And I go, that's not the formula for winning. And I go, that is a that is James Harden. You know, was usage is probably 50 percent today, right? Actually, <laughs> probably was with how many fucking free throws that guy shoots, but. I'm not a believer in Houston in this in the slightness. Their point differential doesn't bear it out. Their roster doesn't bear it out. The eye test doesn't bear it out. They have one scintillating, if not maddening, and, and divisive player in Harden, and, and and not a ton else to be honest with you. So I'm not a big believer in Houston yet. Sacramento, I love. You want to talk about anyway? I, I was well, going we'll to dive into who are who are we'll who are San, San Antonio I guess competing with for their. I guess who who was their peer group, as it were, at this point in time? And well, the, that's where I feel West. like they're yeah. at with the, with the Houston's, the Sacramento's, the Memphises, the Clippers, the Lakers, and I mean, I guess the, with the Lakers, it comes down to how long the bronze <laughs> just, out. You just listed half the conference because it's still it's it's even more bunched together than we. Well, thought. this is Portland. Right. It's it's um, yeah. you know we didn't mention Utah. Um, I think you can cross the only teams I'd cross out. Obviously, is Phoenix. Uh, the Wolves, I think, are done, and I and I think Dallas. That was a bit of a mirage. Their little little run that they had. Even well, the, though it's a nice story. What's happening there? They're what the about the Pel- What about the Pels? Do you cross? Pel- them no, I don't cross the Pels out yet. I, I think the, when Miritich is back, when when my man Alfred Payton comes back, I think you're going to see them. I, I think they can go on a run. I, I think they're they're five games below 500 now. I could see them going 10 and two. Over a twelve-game stretch, well, and then their all defense of a sudden, you're, is you're bad as the Knicks. Above. They are, but they've games. got the offense They're to four and fifteen on the road. As I think they've I got mean, the they offense to don't. match it if they play. They, they weren't yeah, a great okay. defensive yeah. team by the numbers last year either, no, because no. they play at that pace too. You know, they're they're going to concede some big scores. Um, I just think their injuries have absolutely crippled them, uh, and each one more is playing terrible too lately. So that, there's a number of things that have sort of fallen away for them, but they must be looking at the way Buddy Heald's playing in Sacramento and be pulling their hair out because, you know, that's why you don't give up on, on these players too early, Daz. Um, so that, that trade looks... Well, that was the impossible, play. right? We talked about the impossible situation when Boogie got hurt is you've now basically given up your number one, your lottery pick and your, 
right? In your crown jewel, quote, second star for with base, you have literally nothing to show for it. Nobody, no boogie. Um, granted that boogie, I guess, probably perhaps paved the way for Julius Randall, who's, you know, 70% of boogie, but that's 70%. Well, I that think there's an argument is, to be said that the way Buddy Heald's playing, he makes more sense next to AD than a fully optimized boogie anyway, even though obviously boogie's a better player. Um, you, you, what, what's the what was the point? I, I never really felt that that was going to be the. I'm I'm with you. I I I, I thought that was the fireable offense where I thought anyone with half a half a mind sees that Anthony Davis is the ultimate five. I know he doesn't love it, but he will love it when he wins games and gets MVP conversation. And as we've proven this year, when he's playing the five, he is otherworldly. He even puts himself in. You know, in all defensive team conversations, the way he can cover ground and, def- you know, and protect the rim. So playing him at the four was the most ridiculous, ridiculous thing. Whilst having Boogie stand outside the effing three-point line and try to create some space, I mean, it just, it just made no bloody sense. So I, I hated that trade. Well, it's worth pointing um, out too, happy. they they threw yeah. Tyreek Evans into that trade as well, and that, that is not insignificant now, given the way he played in Memphis and yeah. he's contributing this yeah. year in Indiana. Yeah, the asset destruction is on, and I know we segue to the, maybe we segue to the train wrecks, but I think what's happening into the in New Orleans is downright depressing. I wouldn't call it a train wreck, but this is, this is a train that's been coming for pretty much ever since they acquired Boogie was a signal of desperation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that they're just trying anything to get a second star to pair with AD without any concept of what's the ultimate, you know, what's the right pairing and being more patient. And so I think that that that's just a that's just been highlighted, right? Because of course LeBron talking about it and AD hiring Rich Paul, you know, LeBron's best friend <laughs> since childhood as his agent. So it's you know the worst kept secret, and I. I I almost hesitate to engage in it for what that might mean for my karma, having Giannis in a tiny market as well, and I couldn't, I couldn't stomach and re- and refuse to engage in any dialogue about Giannis staying in Milwaukee. So I, 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 I so empathize with with New Orleans. I just, it's just so hard to ignore the missteps they've made with this with this roster. Daz, yes, they've been bitten, been bitten by injury, but man. It was Alfred Payton an upgrade over Rondo, considering how Rondo played? And anyway, I don't want to I don't want to mm. overemphasize Rajon Rondo, but um, it's it's just it's perhaps my um, it's my most depressing and disappointing in, in that the way it's turning out, considering that they had that scintillating playoff run against against um, Portland and competent NBA basketball against um, Golden State in the second round. I, I, I'm, I confidently say that was competent basketball. Um, they didn't have the firepower to match GSW, but they competently could have won two of those six games. And and um, and so it's just so disappointing to see how the roster turned over and the fucking narrative has turned up around AD. And it's just, I just don't like it. I just yeah, don't like well, any look, bit of it. I'm not writing them off from, from making a run into the playoffs and maybe even pushing up around that sort of five, six range. But I am... I'm almost ready to write them off of keeping Anthony Davis. I can't. I, I'm struggling yeah. to see a scenario where he stays there next year. But the, I don't. I don't think we'll, we'll we'll kick that can down the road, Daz, and, and deal with that a bit later on. I, I want to move on and talk about 
a few sort of takeaways, I guess, from the season and and some of the main takeaways you've had. So we're going to look at one takeaway, one of your surprises, one disappointment. I'm going to start sure. with one of my takeaways, and that is I don't think, uh, and you said earlier, poor LeBron. Well, there's two words that probably won't ever come out of my mouth, but I do say this. <laughs> I don't think we appreciate LeBron James as much as what we should. Um, and, he, and he'll he'll always continue to frustrate me the fact that he doesn't play defense and he hasn't for probably five years. But I watched the game against the Spurs and what he did in the second half of that game, I thought this guy's on a cerebral level of basketball that we probably yeah. haven't ever seen before. He was sit- so he came out in the third quarter, it was a close game, and he just he goes in the passive aggressive LeBron. So he basically walks the ball past half court, flings these passes that have absolute zip on them to Lonzo or Kyle Kuzma or Josh Hart, and then just sort of sits at the top of the key and says, all right, show me what you got. And the Lakers, of course, the young players had nothing. So the Spurs built up about a 10-point lead. So then LeBron says, all right, I've got to put this team on my shoulders. So then he just proceeds to score every time from every part of the floor like with the most ridiculous degree of difficulty shots, brings them back. They're now leading. Midway through the fourth quarter, they're leading, right? So everyone in the arena knows, including the Spurs, LeBron has this game. He can win. If he wants the Lakers <laughs> to win by 15, they'll win by 15 because no one can stop him, right? But LeBron's like, I don't want to win. I don't want to win this game. I want one of these young guys to win oh. the game. So he yeah. then starts driving into the lane, pulling in triple teams and then just kicking it out to Kuzma, open three, clang. Spurs get the rebound, Spurs score. LeBron comes down, same same play again. Drive, kick this time to Hart, he misses one. And then, then so then the Spurs build up a five-point lead. LeBron sort of shrugs his shells again, goes down, hits a three from out near the logo, bang. <laughs> then hits another step back three right in Cunningham's face. They're back up. Now he's like, okay, now it's your turn again. So then he starts driving again, kicks it. Finally, Josh Hart hits an open three, and he hits the dagger. And LeBron, you can see his mind ticking over. I want to know who I can trust in the playoffs this year and who I'm keeping on this roster going forward. And I thought it was a fascinating thing to watch. And there was a great moment actually after the game. Did you see when they asked the reporter asked um, Popovich... Uh, what they should have done differently against LeBron, or uh, what did you think about the defending of LeBron? And he said something glib like, "Who's ever?" Yeah, no, he just looked at him. He goes, "Have you ever seen LeBron James play?" Yes, he said. Yeah, he's LeBron James, and then he just walked out of the press conference, <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently he stuck his head back out laid it to the press pack and said, has anyone got any more questions for me? And they said no, and he just looked at them and said, he's LeBron James, and then walked out again. So so that, that game was a while ago. Am I missing That was the third like time weeks ago, they played the Lays. Yeah, that that was a few weeks ago now. That was in LA. Yeah. Uh, but and I just, as yeah. I said, I remember yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, we just haven't seen a guy that is that good and maybe Jordan did it, and someone will say, oh, I remember Jordan doing it. But I don't think even Jordan would, because well, Jordan wanted to win it. the game on his own every time. I, I lived through it. And again, as a Bucks fan, I've watched Jordan, you know, decimate. My, my team, Bucks were never a threat to the Jordan when they were in their prime, right? It was, it was a bit of Knicks, and it was, a, you know, a, a carousel of Western Conference, you know, 
Western Conference teams, but it's it's really hard to compare because Jordan had Pippen for all six of his titles, and Pippen's a what top fifty all time. Well, that's even all- the thing on the defensive end because it's like Jordan's playing defense oh, with Scott, Pippen, and, Pippen and Rodman and Horace I mean, Grant, etc. I'm just saying Pippen for all. If I'm not mistaken, it was all yeah, all six. Right? Yeah, that's right. He had Pippen runs- every, every time. So I go imagine if. Imagine if, I don't know, who would be the equivalent? Imagine if LeBron had... Well, he had Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi for all six titles. I mean, it was a, it's so different. Jordan never, and again, I, I'll always chide Bill Simmons for this, when he said Jordan was beloved by everyone. It was, it was actually the opposite. Jordan was reviled, and, and, and you had to tolerate him, but he was insufferable. Partially because he was so competitive, but Jordan was not in any way, any way, shape, or form a teacher or a mentor. Mm, yep. Jordan has no Mr. Miyagi in him whatsoever. Jordan is the mercenary. Jordan is the assassin. That's why Jordan came back and played. He did it to, to, to fuck you, the whole league, to go, I'm fucking, I was retired for three years. I'll go play for whatever fucking team I want to, the Wizards. He scored 22 points a game as a fucking 39-year-old Daz because he could. It was always about Jordan. That's what will be so radically different about the the narratives we weave when LeBron finally retires is LeBron, I think LeBron being so, quote, selfish and doing what he did with the decision and taking his talents to Miami and how he did it, I think was – maybe the greatest lesson he learned in life, right? I'm getting too philosophical here, but I go, I think he felt when the cameras were on him in real time that he was doing something awful, right? Remember the, the look on mm-hmm. his face when yeah. Jim Nance asking those questions and it was just so awkward. I think that was the best thing to ever happen to him as a human. It sucked for all the Cleveland fans, no question, but I think from that day forward and winning the titles and, and playing a little bit second fiddle to D-Wade, I say little second fiddle because it was D-Wade's team and D-Wade's town and finding humility and then battling his way through Golden State and, and then losing Kyrie after Kyrie was kind of a, his sidekick. This the ups and downs LeBron has had to now kind of be Uncle LeBron and, you know, turns it on and turns it off. And he's the teacher, then he's the mentor, then he's the coach, then he's the, he's the player coach. It's just... It is virtuoso, and I go, I don't care. I'm a little bit not the goat conversation, but, but I just, uh, if your metric was impact on the league, it is it is ten to one LeBron, right? On impact yeah. on the floor, you could argue that Jordan was a better on floor mercenary who just refused to ever lose. And I, I okay, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll let that argument go. But the way LeBron has, um, yeah gotten this gotten to this place right daz and and basically he's a marionette he's the he's the puppeteer isn't he with the players on well the you floor. have and you've got to soak it in like even though he's doing yeah. it against my yeah. team and but i'm first and foremost a basketball fan so at at some point you just got to appreciate what you're seeing um and it reminded me of last year when he hit that shot against toronto and I was going for a Toronto hard in that game because I, ne- I, I didn't want to see Cleveland. Oh. And he hit that shot, and I just started laughing, and I was clapping. 
the fadeaway one foot from yeah. the corner three pointer behind the backboard. That one. And my kids <laughs> yeah. were just so they they just couldn't understand how I was rooting against this guy for forty seven yeah. minutes and fifty nine seconds, and then at the end just laughed and clapped and said, "No, nah, that's just too good." Because you just sit there at some time, you say, "I'm glad I saw that. I'm glad I was able." to to yep. see this guy at his best and really appreciate yep. And that's what frustrates me about the Warriors. They're so unlikable and it's so hard to root for them. You can't really fully appreciate what that what they're doing as a team, even if you appreciate <laughs> sort of Steph Curry's play uh, individually. Are you are you with me, though, in this, though? Were they – I was in Cram's um, living room, right, screaming, like crying, like I, I felt – that loss when Kyrie hit that three pointer, right? So I before Kevin Durant does, right? The Golden State Warriors were almost the most likable championship team because they've got the super nerd Clay who can't string a sentence together and this childlike, right? The child uh, mercenary in Steph Curry who had who we used to call it the most demoralizing play in basketball. Right, shooting shooting shots from thirty feet. That's more demoralizing than getting posterized by Jordan or even getting posterized by LeBron. Because guess what? It's worth three, not two. And how? You, so I I still am. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Golden State is probably the most likable team if they just fucking get rid of Durant. <laughs> this angry inside of his head, worried about legacy and self and place and narrative and MVPs. He's just this energy this energy force of all about him and so i'm i remember the joy of going oh my god steph curry is doing things in the basketball court not even lebron can do and we're all confidently voting him unanimous mvp because oh my god it's a skill not even lebron has right and it's a skill no human well it was fun i used to i used as you know i watched the games during the day and the greatest thing in that, particularly in that seventy-three win season, was when yeah. if the if the Warriors went down by fifteen, it it was much what a then must watch fun. game. It was <laughs> right. like I'd message Cram and say, "All right, get ready Turn for it, it right?" Yeah. And so he he'd be you know just quietly he'd probably be watching it uh, when he's supposed to be at work, and I'd be watching it at home. And, uh, well, technically, I'm supposed to be at work as well. And, <laughs> you know, you, you'd know Clay's, either Clay's going to go off, Steph's going to go off. You know, they had, the, they had the supporting pieces. Even Harrison Barnes had some big games in that season as well. And it was just so much fun, like, just to see them. Even, I'll never forget the game when they broke the record against Memphis because that was a really close, really tough game that they had to, to pull out of their backsides. I mean, they pulled... Last so game many year, games. Right? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the last game of the year. They pulled so many games out of their backsides that year, but it was so much fun. And then Kevin Durant comes in, and all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. And it's bitching no. about calls. It's we didn't get this. Everyone hates us. Oh, everyone's everyone's against us. Oh, we're the most focused team on in history of basketball. Oh, you know, and it's all about us, 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 us. And yeah. You know, Draymond's I, Draymond, right? We've we've known Draymond, so Draymond <laughs> is that. So I, I place none of this blame on Draymond, and I I think we don't give nearly enough credit to Steph Curry for the way he's handled quote letting KD kind of become the what seventeen fucking technical fouls last year, 
and from from that to the fights with 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 Draymond to the to the selfish play. Well, that's the, the thing about Finals MVP. MVP. I mean, but do you Curry, think if Curry wanted the win Finals MVP, he wouldn't thing. have worried? Won it? What's like that? he could Curry could have won Finals MVP had he had he have gone in that series and just said, "I think if we're going to win this clearly. I want to win Finals MVP." He would have won it because he, the, that's the dude with the ball in his hands. Yeah, of course, if he's healthy. That's right. Look, do I think anyway? Yeah. So I'm. I, I, we begin with LeBron and his virtuoso, and he he won me over um, two playoffs ago, um, and, and he's won me over with. His oh, stuff he won off me over court. to some extent in the first season he was back in Cleveland. When you can make the NBA Finals with Matthew Dellavedova as your second best player, you've got at some point you've got to tip your hat. Um, yeah, that's right, Dell. Actually, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> Dell was playing huge minutes in that. That finals, wasn't he? Yeah, um, it was Delhi, Shump, uh, Mozgov, and Tristan Thompson. That yeah, because Kyrie crew. was hurt and Love was hurt, wasn't he? <laughs> and they he took Golden hurt. State to six games. Yeah, that, look, that's fair. Um, he fully won me over, right? With I think we've talked about this before. I, I'm pretty confident when I say the best basketball I've ever seen in my life was him against Toronto and game one against Golden State was even better. Oh, yeah. I yeah. literally, Jordan never, ever, no, he, it's not, he never hit that level. That was the shame but of that maybe, Smith play, Maybe that it? one time when Jordan shrugged his shoulders and he, you know, when he accidentally made six three-pointers against Portland in whatever year, that was 92, you know, the end of the famous Jordan shrug where he kind of, which is that iconic moment where he's like, I don't know, like, I don't know why this ball's going in. <laughs> Yeah. LeBron does it on purpose. <laughs> Jordan just was in the zone that night. And I go, that's why I think if we're both talking about LeBron, the Lakers have been really, really, really fun to watch, haven't they, Daz? Well, you they're playing fast. And that, that was one of the yeah, things. I didn't think they'd and, play that yeah. fast because LeBron's never not played fast. That's Correct. not been his thing. This is the guy who likes to pound the ball. And I thought, oh, something's going to give here. Well, he's the one that's adapted his game. And that was something Jordan couldn't do. All birds as a 39-year-old when he went back to the Wizards because they are the young teams at those, those Wizard teams generally. And he was sitting there wanting to pound the ball, understandably so, I guess. But but LeBron is getting on in the years as well, Daz, but he's getting up and down the court. What do you think of Luke Walton this year, Daz? I thought he was under pressure at different times. Uh, I'm still not convinced he's the long-term coach for this team. Mm. Um uh, I, I think we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I, I don't like the... Again, they're struggling as soon as LeBron goes down, and probably not... That's not a surprise, um, yeah. given that you're relying now on Brandon Ingram. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, but Lonzo's played well. The, the, one of the surprises is Lonzo's played Lonzo's really well. Lonzo's played well. It's yeah. interesting the guys that can play with LeBron and the guys that can't. I'll tell you guys been great this year has been JaVale McGee. It's been his best season of his career, Daz. And LeBron, again, the cerebral level of him, you can see he knows I've got to get just keep JaVale engaged. Just keep him engaged. Give him the occasional dunk. Give him the occasional ball in the post. And he'll start. He'll he'll play some defense for us. Otherwise, he's JaVale just going to start running around. PR like going. 22, Daz. He's not just playing. He's played really well. He's played well. He was it's probably just playing too measure, many minutes earlier on in the season. Every measure, he's played well. Well, that's fair. That's true. Yeah, yeah. you don't want him playing 30 yeah. minutes. But if you can get 20 minutes out of him, and then you get 20 minutes out of Chandler, and then you've got LeBron playing eight minutes, 
And Zubac has even looked okay in the last few games. So the big problem for them is Burn Ingram's just been pretty well. Terrible is probably well, too yeah, far apart. But just got the raw invisible. He just doesn't. He I think we've said offline as well. He he just has the the you know the he doesn't have the eye of the tiger. He's a bit Andrew Wiggins. And He's I think bit, some guys with yeah. LeBron there they'll shrink a little bit. And we yeah. even saw it with Nick yeah. Young last year in, in Golden State, all being a different situation. Yeah. Some guys just don't thrive when you think they're going to thrive. This would be a perfect situation or whatever. And we, we thought, I thought for Ingram, this would be a perfect situation. Um, playing the second fiddle to LeBron in terms of that secondary playmaker off the ball. But it's really been Lonzo and Josh Hart that have looked much better. Um, well, and Kuzma, I think Kuzma's almost become untouchable and that Kuzma's um, been good and he he didn't start well I didn't think he started all that well he had a few big games early his defense is absolutely atrocious but he does try on defense he's just not very good and and because they're not a team that plays much it's not that great but in terms of his offensive game he's 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 been excellent you know recency bias but watching that that scintillating Right, Lakers Sacramento game with with Bogdanovich hitting the game winner, but Kuzma had the, what was looked like the game winner, you know, about thirty seconds before that that crazy step back three that gave him a three point lead. You know, Kuzma's at nineteen points a game, Daz. He's scoring nineteen a game, and it's I think he's well, he's the second best he, offensive I, player, and it's not pretty key players. Yeah. And look, his his percentages are he's, he's not shooting well from downtown. He's got the volume, but he's a uh, he has those games where, like, holy shit, he can be alpha offensive player. And my point was, Ingram has never shown it. There was times that Kuzma went for it was thirty three points against. We well, had thirty seven right? against the Spurs. Yeah, that's right. Thirty thirty three against Sacramento, thirty seven against the Spurs. And I go, we've never seen Ingram take over. He just doesn't have it in him, right? And so that's why I was asking about uh, Walton and these guys a little bit because I thought there were some really interesting coaching choices because there was no LeBron in that Sacramento game. And so it's the young guys versus young guys. And down the stretch, what was he doing is he had Kuzma bringing the ball up the court, Daz. Now, he gave it to Ingram once, and I think he got to the line and made one free throw. So kudos, I guess he made a play. But he just could sense, right, the confidence of the team and the swagger of Kuzma versus the swagger of Ingram. is It's not even close, right? It's Ingram just is in his head, and he's just nothing. Nothing is natural for him. Certainly, with the ball in his hands, you think it would be, but it's just it's just not. So I, Kuzma really impressed me in that game against Sacramento, where it was a blow for blow, back and forth game, and you know he's just you know shot for shot and just rising up to it and pumping up the team, and he looks like the leader of the team when LeBron isn't there. Mm. So. Yeah, no, I think it's going anyway. to be interesting to watch the Lakers and, and uh, who stays, who goes in the offseason. But I, I, I tend to think that Ingram's probably going to be a bit of a trade chip, although I'm not sure what oh, he's his value be, yeah. will be um, at the moment. But when they look, I think next year is the year they're going to say, let's gear up um, and see if um, and see if we can do it. Just quick, quick question without notice. Do you think Golden State are more vulnerable this year to lose the title than they were last year. Remember, no. last year, no, yeah, I, I agree. I, no, I, and I'll say this though, I think they, I don't think they're as good a team this year, but I just don't think there's a challenger this year that's as good as what Houston were I, that's at their a, best exact, last year. Exactly where I'm at. Look, I think the they've had some injuries like every NBA team. I don't think they're as deep. 
I think we can raise genuine questions about Iguodala and Sean Livingston, two critical, critical, critical players for their playoff success. Um, we can raise questions about Draymond, who's was you know was hurt and a bit out of shape and hasn't found his way back. These are all valid questions, and here we are. What all these questions and, and Curry's missed time, and let me check the standings. What's their record? Oh yeah. They're, they're number two in the West, right? Yeah. I go, and very comfortably, you're probably going to finish in the top. And I go, all these, they have not had a smooth season at all, Daz. And um, and they're probably more disinterested than ever. Um, but I think uh, we don't know what variable that Boogie Cousins will play when he comes back uh, or when he, when he, I guess, suits up. But it was, so they, we've had, they've had all kinds of adversity and they're still right at the top of a very, very tough conference. And and you're right. I think we've got a much, much deeper Western Conference than last year. But there is no one anywhere near as good as what Houston was last year. No, sorry, Denver. No. OKC, I, I, I believe and have always believed in that defense. You know, I called them the number three team unquestionably coming into the season, but was foolishly thinking Houston was number two. So I'm... I've I've loved how Paul George has played. I just I, I struggle to see them in a seven game series really, really scaring me. I just think their just offense be, is not going to be good enough because you remember the Jones, exactly though, right. they're going to ram up the defense as well. So if you get yeah. into a rock fight, you know as much as you can get Golden State into a rock fight and a low scoring sort of game, I'll still back Golden <sighs> State. I'm um, I'm with you, and and that. and to be honest, I just. Uh, so no was the answer to your question. I don't think they're nearly as vulnerable. And it's just, it's more about... Well, I think they're more vulnerable Ross. from the East. I think they're more vulnerable to lose the NBA yeah. Finals than they were, um, than they were last year, because they were no chance of losing the NBA Finals, I didn't think, last year. But um, yeah. this year, what is it, you know, a 20% chance they'd lose and it'd probably have to be an injury yeah. or something. Although I think that, you know, I do think the Bucks match up reasonably well against them. Um, they actually do. Yeah, I just you, like the, the Bucks like to have a few more playoff yeah, chops about them. Yeah, look, I, 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 the Bucks would take a game off of them, right? I, I'm not. I don't think the Bucks would embarrass themselves. I think that's a five. It's a that's a six game series, right? It's at least five. It's probably six, right? I pretty confidently. Mm. Um, they go. The Bucks have no obvious advantage other than because right, when Durant is locked in, he can fucking defend Giannis as much as I hate him. He can fucking defend when he wants to. And he is a, it's he's Giannis. He's got Giannis length, right? And um, that's the that's the kryptonite, I think. Well, and, the kryptonite but, um, for Golden State is they do turn the ball over a lot, and you turn the ball over against this Milwaukee team, and they'll make you pay. It's obviously yeah, look, Giannis dunk on open three. So yeah. I think there's yeah. there's areas of Milwaukee's game that are that are tailor made. To Golden State Golden will always State. have the greatest margin for error. Maybe that's my point. If yeah, that's healthy. exactly right. Both teams are equal out there. The margin for error is much greater. But that being said, if they have error, right? I think the Bucks are, if the Bucks are shooting well, you know, Brogdon's doing his thing and Brooks doing his thing and Snell's doing his thing, etc. I go, you got all these players who can fucking shoot forty percent from three on paper. They could just go zero for twenty-seven, but they also could go twelve for twenty-seven mm. and blow Golden State out like they did earlier in the season. So, I'm um, I'm just more. Of course, going to finish my thought on on Oklahoma City was. You know, I, I love how they play defense, and they're, you know, um, and they're they're going to be locked probably in that sort of top four. I think they're pretty confident in the top four 
Paul George has played terrific, and we've seen, believe it or not, Daz, we've seen Russ um, play slightly different basketball. He has, he? yes. Such, I was wrong. I've got to uh, put my hand up on yeah, that. He has yep. played off ball. His points is down, usage down, shot attempts are down. Some off What's ball, I should say, but he hasn't, he hasn't some been off ball, right? stand back, I've yeah. got this mode. He trusts no, Schroeder a bit, and, and Paul yeah. George is playing brilliantly. So. And Paul George is playing terrific, and Russell's down to 21 points a game, Daz. That's 10 points lower. He's still than... averaging his triple-double, Daz. That's all he cares about. Holy shit, he is telling it 20, <laughs> 10, and 10. No, you're right about that. That's probably right. As long as well, Adams is leaving them rebounds for him after the missed well, three I mean, throws. <laughs> but the point is, he's still shooting five three-pointers a game and hitting 25%. That's the problem. That's he's, got to stop the, he's got to stop shooting. He's still a little bit, and his, and his field goal percentage is oh, 43%. Man, his true shooting is just brutal. True shooting is 40, 489. See, Paul, Paul George is carrying oh, that Christ. offense. Paul George he is, is carrying absolutely. The and I wonder how sustainable that is um, in the longer term. Because I mean, this is the best season of Paul George's career, I think, without a doubt. So I'll, I'll be interested. We well, talk about Katie's a, a nightmare for everyone, but I think that's your that's Paul George's ultimate worst nightmare as a defender like Giannis or or Durant, right? Guys who are rangy enough to guard in the perimeter and long enough that just don't let him do anything. Well, we saw Jay Crowder shut him down and. Um, uh, for Utah in or muscle yeah that's so, right so you know them, yeah. those sort of players uh, you know Giannis and KD much better set up um, to hurt him from there let's I'll ask you another question there there's the, the the biggest surprise of the season so far so what's what's the biggest thing that just has not met your expectations apart from Cleveland winning more than 30 and a half games yeah <laughs> um it's not Washington. They're doing everything <laughs> I expected them to do. Look, I think the easy answer is Sacramento, right? I mean, that's the – I'm almost going to skim past it. I'll, I'll let you, I guess, maybe um, praise some, some love on on Sacramento. But I, th- I think they're definitely in that most surprising uh, conversation. Um just for for a hundred reasons. Well, for but me, I'll, kind of, I'll take that quickly because yeah. for me, it's yeah. more not even about their record. It's more about how entertaining they've been. Like if you had said to me, "You league past Darling team, the team I have to watch outside of my own San Antonio Spurs, is the Sacramento Kings," I would have said no. There's, oh, especially a home game. Especially yeah. like and and the way they played last year, took the least amount of threes, played the slowest pace of the of the of, of the league. And you're sitting there thinking, this is not, not only are they not very good, they're not even entertaining to watch. They've been fantastic from from the first moment this season. They're, they're must-watch now, Daz. And you're exactly right. Those home games, those crowds are into it. Their announcers are one of the best announcing teams you can get on the, on League Pass. Um, and, and they're never out of any game. Like that game you mentioned with the Lakes, the damn 15. They're just going to keep coming at you for 48 minutes every single night. And Darren Fox has been a joy to watch. Bogdanovich has been fantastic off the bench. Uh, Cauley Stein. I mean, you know, you, the list goes on of, of players who have sort of surprised and, and even um, Bagley before I get injured. So I've really enjoyed this. And I, I think it's sustainable to the extent I think they're going to win high 30, 
games, maybe even low 40s if they can continue it on. Um, and it's a great story what's happening in Sacramento and it's been really enjoyable for me to watch it. Yeah. So that, that's been the surprising thing. How entertaining it's been even over and above um, the win title. Yeah, and I go, it's maybe not the biggest surprise. Let's call it the most pleasant surprise. It's not the biggest surprise, but I think the um, what we were all, uh, what were the dregs of last year's Western Conference, right? The pathetic Mavs, the pathetic Kings, the pathetic Suns, right? There were some, there were some true dregs, right, last mm, year. Yeah. As as much as we're seeing in the East this year with the Atlantas and and the Knicks and, and so forth, right? So for me, the most pleasant surprise is the combination of the teams like like the Kings and the Mavs. Right, kind of rising up. And well, even the Suns Luka. have been good when Devin Booker's playing. Yeah. Just quickly, well, they, they've been okay yeah. when Booker's played. That's right. For me. So I guess it's the most pleasant surprise is that the dregs of the West, um, or that we've got dregs, full stop, who played such competent basketball. And I tell you what, one of the most enjoyable games of the year was an easily forgettable game was, well, up until it was Kings-Lakers two nights ago, it was Kings-Mavericks. This was about a week, week and a half ago. So right, I, I happened to catch this one, um, obviously watching De'Aaron Fox versus Luka. And Luka, they both had terrific games. Um, Fox went for 28 on 19 shots, made all of his three throws, and just did everything smart down the stretch. So the Kings won this game 120 to 113. It was much, much closer than seven points. I think some free throws at the end made it look like it. But Luca was making haymakers and and pull-up jumpers and creating plays and doing his crazy cross-court passing. So he he also had 28, 9, and 6 in in that game. And I thought that was a game in Dallas. Last year's, two of last year's dregs, I think is one of the most enjoyable games I saw this year. That's when I saw De'Aaron Fox do some stuff down the stretch going, holy shit. And I think you might have called this comp before I before I thought about it, which is um, he looks a little bit like young Derrick Rose because he's got the speed. And there was this play late in crunch time. It's what's called like a one-possession game when um, Dallas went down, Dallas missed a shot, and DeAndre Jordan was going in for the offensive rebound. And De'Aaron Fox literally leaped over the back of DeAndre Jordan, one of the NBA's best rebounders, right? Leaped over his back, grabbed the rebound with one hand over DeAndre, raced on the other end, did some crazy shit, and, and scored on the other end to turn, I think, a two-point game into a four-point game, which was a huge, huge turnaround. So DeAndre catches that and puts it in. we got a tie game. Nope. De'Aaron Fox grip, rips it off of him and goes down. And I go... That little glimpse, right, that one little play, which basically sealed the game, I thought that should give Kings fans um, a lot of hope and give us NBA nerds on League Pass going, holy shit, you better hit record on or, or sort of hit, set your alarm for when the Kings play because that kid does some crazy shit. And um, so anyway, maybe I'm agreeing with the most surprise, but for well, me, well, yeah, and, again, and one, his one vision, the, his court yeah. vision, has, has really taken me by surprise. That's one of the things that uh, I think there were some questions last year. He's really leading the team well, also, and he's picking his moments when he needs to sort of take over and when he doesn't. Um, yes, I've been, I've, I've been beyond impressed. Um, and it's interesting if you were if you were to redraft that class now I think when we came into the season most of us would have said well it's either Mitchell or Tatum one two you know um Fultz a, a late third rounder um 
an undrafted Lonzo <laughs> project. Lonzo. Yeah. But now I think Darren Josh Fox... Jackson, number one, right? <laughs> oh, no, sorry, Fox. <laughs> depending, on, depending on what team's draft he is, but Fox could be the number one player in that draft class now. So it, it's interesting how quickly things can turn. And we might be talking about Josh Jackson next year, Daz. Who knows? Um, although I'll send me a doubt. I'm you, I think fucking Justin Jackson might have a better career than Josh Jackson at this point. Well, he has it. He, he has up shitting. to this point. And that's no, that's no, that's no shit. Hey, he in that Lakers game, but he looks, I mean, he looks like he's stoned, doesn't he? Justin Jackson just doesn't, he looks about as clever as DJ Wilson <laughs> with these goofy faces and goofy haircuts and just kind of staring off into space. But Justin Jackson, right, took a, took a three with under 30 seconds to go. He got fouled, right? And they're down by three against the Lakers, right? It was right after Kuzma hit his huge three. No, it was just What's before Justin, Kuzma. Because he tied it up and then Kuzma hit the three. Oh, face. was he tied it up? Well, anyway, they were down three, weren't they? And yep. Justin Jackson coolly goes up and just drills all three free throws. Yeah, he did like, miss oh, a like layup that. just after that, though. So. He put got back, the rube right? out of so the yeah, It was a true. That's fair enough. But no, I but agree. I, I like the fact yeah. that he went there and made them three. Because, I, I mean, did. Brandon I Ingram, there's no chance. When he yeah. went to the line to have to make two to put them up three, there was no chance he's making two three throws. I was surprised now, he made one. That first one hit the rim seven times. <laughs> like, there's no way that second one's going in. Well, it was the same yeah, as Wiggins, Wiggins yesterday against Atlanta in a game that Minnesota lost at home. He goes to the line. No, They're down didn't. two. I didn't hear and this. I was like, no. there's no way he's making two here. There's no way he's making And he missed both. Yeah. Like, he missed. Uh, he shot <laughs> five of 12 at the line overall, does, in a game they lost at home <laughs> to Atlanta. At Five or twelve from the free throw line. Yeah, Robert Covington missed two wide open. Now I'm not going to say threes at the end of this game. Wide open dunks, naked open, <laughs> and it clanged both off the rim. <laughs> I thought Tibbs' head was going to explode. <laughs> Can we talk about the train wrecks yet? So most pleasant <laughs> surprises. I'm with you. The Kings have been a blast. Luca has been even better than I thought. Like, and I didn't see much. I'll be honest, I saw snippets of him on YouTube. So watching Luka Doncic play Daz, holy fuck. That is, you talk about you should fire Sacramento's GM and fire fucking everyone in Phoenix and sell the team for passing on Luka fucking Doncic. Is oh, just, I wouldn't, don't get too excited to it. Oh, I, think I, this is a, I think this is a better draft Bagley class. Bagley and Ayton, seriously. I think this is God. a better draft class than, than, than people think. I, pick I, let, pick let, your let, dollar let, amount and pick your metric. Uh, and, I mean, put it this way: there's no votes, chance, no yeah. doubt, if they're drafting again today, uh, Doncic goes first. I don't think no, there's any question. About I disagree. That. I disagree. Robert Sarver is uh, <laughs> University of. Uh, I'm not kidding you. He's not. That's well, why it's a, it, but ownership I think too, is so. You've got to understand yeah. there is something to be said if you're at a, a, a place like Sacramento and you're hearing stories that Doncic doesn't want to play with us, and he might be a bit problematic. And, and they go, we've got a guy in Bagley that wants to play here. He's excited about it. I think that, that factors into their thinking there. Whether it should or not is, is another question, I guess. But I think it does factor well, into their thinking. And with Aiton booing. And Aiton's looked good, again, since since Booker's come back. Aiton's looked a lot better. So um, I don't think... Look, as I said, I, I wouldn't be calling the, the draft a wash just yet. Um, and I don't even think Atlanta right. yet would be saying, well, we're, we're, we feel terrible. We're they should be. 
maybe they should be and maybe they will in, in four or five years' time. But we've seen, we just talked about the Aaron Fox. These things can turn around pretty quickly, Daz. They can. Um, so right. we'll, we'll see All what happens. Right. Look, quickly, we'll, uh, quick thing on disappointments and then we'll, we'll go to the train wrecks, which I know you're dying to talk about and finish up on. The biggest disappointment oh. to me this season has yeah. been Utah. Um, I had them yeah. as the three seed. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has regressed badly to the point where I actually don't enjoy watching him play that much anymore. I think he's becoming a bit of a chucker. He's not distributing the ball much. Um, and I, he wasn't right at the start of the season. I'm not 100% convinced he's fully healthy at the moment um, either. But I just think there's some bad habits creeping into his game. And at times, because their offense is so poor, he's, he's all they've got. Yeah. So he's just having to, he is going to have to be a chucker. They just don't, maybe if they find him that second scorer, um, we're going to see him go back into the type of player that we sort of saw last year, which combined a bit of playmaking and the shooting. Whereas this year, he's really just chucking up shots. Look, he's he's basically the same exact player, right? I mean, his, his percentages are down a little bit. So his true shooting is down a bit so but he's you're right he's not passing the eye test nearly as much i think that's fair and and it's also fair to say that he hasn't demonstrably improved on any single aspect so um both of things being true i again i'm not gonna we're not gonna call it who's right and who's wrong here at the, the 35 game mark but we just i just said quite strongly where is the scoring going to come from it's not coming from donovan they didn't add any playmaking and um, you know they added Corver here at the with the trade, but I just, but again, I I think your point was a great system and great coaching and a great team can overcome it in the same way Indiana has overcome the same, effectively the same dilemma, mm. where they got such a gap between the playmaking scoring between Oladipo and the next best player on on Indiana. Same thing you have in Utah, but Indiana's Indiana's thriving even without Oladipo. They've gone something like five and two without Vic this year, and we're all in nine well, was or even some, better something than crazy. Was seven and four, and even when since Vic's come back, he hasn't looked that great, and they're still winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're five. Yeah, that's that's exactly. I think they're right. the second so, best team in the East. The Pacers. Oh, you know, I'm higher on the Pacers than you are, but they're um, higher than they're. You rate them above the Bucks, do you? No, no, no. I, I don't have to. I'm not a believer in Toronto. Um, oh, right. I have okay. the Bucks one and, and the Pacers two at the moment. Um, right, so right. So don't forget, Toronto your... are going to have a long time to overcome the 50-point thrashing they're going to get uh, on Friday of this week coming, Daz. I hope. Man, I can't <laughs> wait. Well, it's let's... Just, what, what's what's going to happen? So your, your biggest disappointment is is Utah. Utah. Yeah. Just, and I think they've shown signs still in individual games. When they blew Golden State out, they thrashed the Albert and Knicks today. Um, and in some games you turn on and think, and I think there was a game against OKC okay, and they blew them out and it was like, where, where's this team been? And oh, maybe they're back now. And then the next game they go out at home and, and the Hornets will burn them by 20 and you just scratch your head. So I, I can't work this team out this season, but they haven't looked good. I haven't enjoyed watching their basketball. Um, they're playing terrible. On well, if you, if you also listen to the, to the Jazz punditry, they're actually more worried about their defense. Well, their that's defense what I was going to their defense the, is terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, and so they're blaming we, it on the freedom yeah. of movement rules, etc. But uh, I think you guys... Sorry, all 30 teams play by the same rules, like, I guess, yeah. yeah. Unless they were coached so specifically, you know, to grab and hold last year, which I just, I have a hard time believing. But, um, 
hey, look, the West is way better, right? We just talked about the greatest surprises are the the dregs are really, really fun and good. You know, Dallas and Sacramento were were absolutely terrible teams. That's why they drafted where they did, and um, they're they're ter- they've made huge leaps. So, um, so for me though, the, I think the biggest disappointment is actually um, is probably Houston, where I even convinced myself, Daz, and I'm sure we have recorded evidence of it to say, um, I remember remember saying. Uh, Daryl Morey has earned benefit of the doubt and he maybe has data and evidence and a thought process that is more sophisticated than ours in the acquisition of Marquise Chris and the acquisition of Brandon Knight in the signing um, of his own true free will of uh, Michael Carter Williams and of Carmelo Anthony going, holy mackerel, that's a bunch of weird, you know, flotsam and jetsam and, and a bunch of guys where you go, boy, shouldn't they be out of jobs and I, I probably went out of my way to convince myself with against all instinct when I called Houston still the number two team uh, projected to be number two t- in the West this year. Mm. And almost literally person for person has been an abject – I think we can con- safely call their offseason a complete failure. Marquise Chris can't see the court. Brandon Knight is, what, 18 months removed from an ACL and floundering off and on with the G League. Um, obviously, Carmelo is, has been – you know, exiled. Uh, Michael Carter Williams is Lord knows what he's doing. I, I don't care, and nor should anyone care what Michael Carter Williams is doing. Um, we we've literally been talking about how important Austin Rivers is to their team, Daz, and how a, a two-way player like Daniel House is getting big minutes. And and surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. Chris Paul is hurt again. And I go, this team. And then of course, what I do empathize with is the gigantic emotional cliff they would have fallen off of you know uh, losing that heartbreaking you know double digit leads in both game six and game seven even after chris was hurt so to come back from a season like a super bowl loser coming back is a very very difficult thing to do so well the bigger worry even outside of those signings would be the form of chris paul does because he looked terrible and the form of chris paul yeah he looked terrible he looked 36 years of age and I don't know, but what is his age? Is he thirty-four now, or thirty-four, thirty-five? Yeah. So he looked. And this is the first year of his. And this is the first billion-dollar contract, right? Yeah, yeah. he's going to be yeah. paid forty something million dollars for the age thirty-eight season. So, sorry, he's only thirty-three. But so oh, sorry, it must be age thirty-seven season. But still, that yeah. is um, he has not looked good at all, and now injured again. True. Um, you know, I, I still think they can stay afloat because Harden is just playing that well at the moment. But um, whether that's sustainable or not, we'll wait and see. And their defense has improved a bit since the assistant coach came back. Um, that initially retired, a bit. And he's since, since right. come back. There's Jeff Bedzelik, yeah, that's right. And the other point, final so point, I make: James Ennis hasn't played well either, and that was another one of their offices. Oh, that's right, of course. That was supposed to replace Trevor. Good call. Reza. Good call. He was supposed to be eighty percent of a reason. He has not been, and uh, not not well, even. He probably close. has been eighty percent of a reason. He's probably been one hundred percent of a reason this year. <laughs> yeah, eighty percent of this year is a reason. But just to complete the thought, you're right. Uh, Paul is about to turn thirty-four. He's about the same age as LeBron, and he's going to earn thirty-eight million next year, forty-one million in twenty twenty, and then forty-four million. Those are all guaranteed. Okay. Good luck. So, Good, Good luck, Daryl Morey. So, Daryl Morey, let's recap. James Ennis, Carmelo Anthony, Michael Carter-Williams, 
Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight, Chris Paul extension, mm-hmm. all for the hopes of trying to beat the Warriors last year. And I, are we? So I think their window's closed. I'm not. That's not even a. It's not even a question for me. Oh, no, I think yeah. if if a team in the West was to come up and surprise Golden State, it'd be someone like an Oklahoma City if they have a breakout offensive player from Lord knows where, or if Denver gets perfectly healthy and keeps how they're defending at a top eight level as well as, as also or top five as they've been for most of the season. I just don't see Houston at all as a threat. James Harden would need a 68% usage, which he would love. He would totally love. <laughs> He'd need to shoot 68%, 68% from the field. Yeah, as. He would at 68% usage. So, um, yeah, no, that for I me is my number one disappointment, and it's it's whole of the system. And as I go, I, I think it's it would not be unfair to put a lot of that on on Fertitta, the owner who clearly put a um, no luxury tax uh, rule in place, which had them let Ariza go in the first place, which set into motion these you know gigantic rolls of the dice. But I, I find it hard to give Daryl Morey any credit for Carmelo, um, MCW, and the Marquise. Look, getting off Ryan Anderson money, I guess, that's still probably worth something, but he got absolutely we zero got nothing, yeah. basketball value in return to get the You wonder what games. the counterfactual is, though. I mean, if they keep Ariza, you know, yeah. he hasn't played yeah. well yeah. this year anyway, and Barmute's been injured all year, so that's a, that's a wash. What what was the other options anyway? I'm not sure well, they had look, great were options. were there other... I mean, again... Because uh, he had the nod, signed... wink, wink, with Chris Paul. I think that, that's uh, I hamstrung know. them. yeah. Yeah, look, the Bucks got Connaughton or Ilyasova and Lopez, right? And I go three, three players who you look at each individual transaction and go, meh, I don't know, right? It's awfully white, um, and you go, that's about all you can say about it. So, and they've they've turned out to be fantastic, you know, in, in different versions. And 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 anyway, he he had a a, a huge number of choices. Is my point. Well, they did so on anti-Dantoni players, didn't and we said that at the time. Like we well, already right. know, we have the evidence that Cumberland is not a Dantoni player. We have the evidence that Mark Carter Williams not an anything. Michael player. Carter Williams, yeah. You know, yeah. And I mean, we did think maybe maybe is there something here? He did he did score some points in the preseason, but um, it didn't take well, long to realize that it, he's just done. Again, example after example, we watched, I watched today, um, one of our favorite under the radar, you know, rotation players um, from the last couple of years, Shabazz Napier put up 32 points for a very shorthand Brooklyn Nets team. And I go, but that's what Shabazz Napier can do when he's given, when he's given the chance. He's probably going to do it every night, but Mm. I go, why not Shabazz Napier? Why not a Pat Connaughton? These guys are athletes who bust their ass Yep. And will play more offensive than than defensive. That's fair, but I go, why not players like that? Why not athletes who can create their shot and get a shot and not have a fear of putting it up? So, anyway, I'm just disappointed. And it's it, for me, Houston Stilius, Aside from Harden's bump here in the last last. Well, you know what days, else? Final point I'll make too. You know what yeah. else it goes back to? It goes back to Dan Tony's eight man rotation and the fact that he does not develop players outside of that. And that's the beauty of playing a 10, 12-man rotation through an NBA season. You develop those guys. Dan Tony, look at his history. Who has that guy developed and brought through his system? I would argue there's not been many players, if any, that I could think of off the top of my head. Like He's not a guy that's going to bring it. He's a guy that's on the end of of my bench. And next year, oh, he's a DJ Wilson coming out. And, oh, my God, this guy's competent all of a sudden. 
Well, I don't know if that's fair. I was going to say he doesn't stay anywhere long enough maybe for us to measure that successfully, but he, um, I remember vividly, right, creating Leandro Barbosa and Boris Diaw in Phoenix, right, sort of role players who turned into supremely important guys, you know, for Phoenix or the Raja Bells who didn't seem to have much of a, what about, a I mean, place. I'm to... talking more about young guys that just sort of come up through through a system and get, you know, build up minutes and things like that that we see at other clubs. And maybe well, I'm just again, used to seeing Santonio, but I, I'm not, I, I just think... Well, that... Like I said, yeah, back then, you know, back then, Leandro and and, and Boris, I'm talking, you know, the 04 to 08 sort of Suns era, right? The, the seven seconds or less, quote-unquote, you know, those, those were young guys. They were in their early to mid twenties. And mm. that, that was probably more about guys who are lifelong role players is maybe that's probably a better way to categorize the categorize those guys like a Kent Bazemore, or Damari Carroll, you know, sort of, sort of players. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, I think your point about rotations is probably more to the point where um, D'Antoni is, I don't know, is this, is he dictating it to Maury or is Maury dictating it to him? Like what sort of roster, yeah, He's well, that's, get, that's guess, the right. thing. Yeah. There, was a, there seemed to be a disconnect between what the coaching staff you would have expected they wanted you and what think. the front office bore to them. Um, you would think, into this yeah. Season. So, all right. Well, and, and last, just the last sort of just twist of the knife on this one is Eric Gordon has been absolutely terrible. I mean, he has been... I mean, you talk about Chris Middleton and Clay Thompson being in season-long slumps. Eric Gordon has been, and right, um, 10 PER as a proxy, right? He's shooting 30% from three and 38% overall. That's just to give you, he's 37% for his career from downtown. He's shooting seven points off of that. Just absolutely. And when he chucks as much as he does, eight and a half attempts per game, that's a negative player right Well, there. exactly. So, the analytics don't work when you're shooting 30%. And no, they do not. But I think they he's probably, he, his usage has gone up and that's not good for Eric Gordon. In some ways, I yeah. think that's a, that's a positive for Houston because you wouldn't expect he's going to play that badly um, if he stays healthy for the rest of the season. Yeah. Certainly, they would yeah. hope not. So that might not end up being a bad thing to say. I mean, James Ennis playing badly, I think, is bad because we don't expect the improvement to come from him because he doesn't have the runs on the ball. But I think we can expect no. a little bit better from Eric Gordon. And maybe Austin Rivers there they're not asking Gordon to do quite as much. Um, although they're asking Gerald Green to do too much at the moment. And there's... there's and, and Dan Tony said it himself when Chris Paul went down, you're going to see the holes in this roster again. Um, and we're going to be learning on players a bit He said much. that, does he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's, yeah. that's what yeah. he said. So uh, let's move on to the final thing. I know you've been wanting to talk about this, Daz, the train wrecks. Who could have thought that um, the Chicago, <laughs> Washington, Phoenix until they got Booker back. Um, you know, who else? They're the main sort of train The wolves. Wrecks. The yeah. wolves, yeah. Who could have thought that these teams would just degenerate and not complete train wrecks? I mean, particularly Washington. I mean, the Wizards today with John Wall <laughs> being shut down for the season, that Trevor Ariza trade, that might be the worst trade I've seen since Sacramento gave up the first round pick to sign Rajon Rondo, Marco Bellinelli, and Costa Cufas. <laughs> like, yeah. what an awful... I mean, because Kelly Uber, I understand he was going to be a free agent. They probably won't re-sign him anyway. But surely you get a better asset than... Because Trevor Ariza, here's a newsflash for Ernie. Trevor Ariza ain't sticking around next year. He will not be in the Wizards team again next season. 
no, he, he won't take the money next year. I think this was the money grab year, and then he'll go play for who he needs to play for for next year for uh, Brooke Lopez type. Oh, I think he'll be in LA. Go, I think he'll move back to LA. Yeah, be... well, he'll go get wherever he wants to play, right? But I just yep. don't see him grabbing the money again because if you, I think if we had, if he had the um, an honesty pill, you could give him sort of truth serum. You know, I think you talk about how miserable this has been. I don't think that been anyone well, he's had to play he terrible in Phoenix. Phoenix. Terrible in Phoenix. Well, he. Didn't I haven't watched him much in 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 Washington, but uh, the results haven't been good. You didn't you didn't watch them lose to the Bulls yesterday? Well, the funny oh, actually, but would it shock you if they now went on and started winning some games with John Wall out because they did win today against the Hornets, all beat the Hornets on the second night of a back to back. It wouldn't shock me this because John Wall has been apart from one game against the Lakers, John Wall's been atrocious this year. There's um, Thomas Bryant is is logging huge minutes. Jan Mahinmi. <laughs> is getting big minutes. Sam Decker is in the rotation. They picked up R. Baker, right? I think it's the kid with the well, hair. Well, they needed to get uh, you know, Young. That was their youth signing, Ron, Ron Baker. That was the, yeah, go, go Young, yep. Yep. J. Green is a starter for this team, Daz, so it would absolutely shock me if they went on a run. Again, unless it was they played Atlanta, Orlando, Brooklyn, yeah. New York, Brooklyn, New York, Atlanta, <laughs> You know Chicago, which well, is Chicago not impossible beat them in the easily East. anyway. So even they, they did. Play Chicago. Yeah, the, the actively tanking, actively tanking Bulls. Um, uh, that's a game I believe it. I, I peaked in on because oh, I wanted to see this train wreck happen. No, I'm not kidding you, but you tipped me off. Is the greatest tip you gave to me was, hey, when when you see two shit teams in a close game, watch their fourth quarters. That is some <laughs> fun. That is some fun stuff, Daz. So um, it is. yeah. It is. And you see Chris Dunn making back-breaking mid-range off-balance ridiculous, you know, DeMar DeRozan shots as their backbreaker. And well, it's just interesting auto- to see who the yeah. basketball gods hate the most. Like, which which team has the worst karma? And clearly it was the Wizards. Um, Honestly, it is definitely the Wizards, yeah. Yeah, or still, or the Cavs. <laughs> I mean, that has been... Well, I maintain the Cavs... I, I said the Cavs were the second worst team in the league. I think I was wrong by an order of one. I think they're the worst team in the league. But I don't think they're as big a train wreck as the other franchises because at least well, they know think, where they're at. I think they've they've said early on in the well, season... but that's my point. They, they, every signal was they knew exactly where they were at, which was sign Kevin Love to big money, get Rodney Hood back... Um, bringing the new Sexton to be the the team leader, I, I still will I will still fully endorse and support my own fucking logic to go when he observed the behaviors of the franchise with Ty Lu right back in action and okay right this is the this is our team right again I was making the assumption that Ty Lu was doing his job which by the sounds of it was he had fucking not done anything in the off season and pretty much gave up and quit as soon as the season began and wanted out of there before before things got actually really hard. So I was under the impression that the GM and the coach were doing their jobs. So I got I got fucking duped, me and me and Daniel LaRue. Um, but, well but, I'll um, tell you what, I think I think they're worse than Atlanta. I've seen Atlanta a few times. Atlanta is still playing um, they're playing as hard as you can. They're well, actually not playing all the games. These young guys are playing for right. They're playing to bit, get better. The Cavs are playing for what contracts or the Cavs what, are hoping to get another pride. number one pick. Does 
That's all they, sure they, they care are. about. They want they sure want they Zion Williamson. Dan Gilbert. Yeah, that's right. They're going to wear right. their lucky shirts or whatever the hell they wear to the to the lottery yeah. again and hope that they like it. If they get another number one pick, Daz, I... I quit. Yeah, I quit. You can just have be Giannis prepared. I quit. <laughs> I'm going to go off. But they, they're certainly... I think yeah. they're going to have the worst record in the NBA. They've got their own pick done. next year too, don't they? Yep. Yep. So fucking pieces of shit. Oh, that's just so. And I think the, the Kevin Love move is probably coming as well. So um, to just dump him wherever. It yeah. Doesn't really matter at this point. Well, I don't know. He's that's a it's a big number, Daz. I mean, they need to. They need to. We had almost. I mean, it's interesting. Would you need to attach an asset to it um, to get rid of him at this stage? I wouldn't think he's that. Well, he's as that you bad. said before, I think he, he needs to get healthy. He's a point of before he gets in. Right? Because if the other team's trading for him or wants to want him, right? Wanting to help a team, I would assume. Well, wouldn't Grunfeld do Otto Porter for you know, Love Brooklyn. straight up? <laughs> They'll lock him into two extra years beyond Porter's deal. Hey, I'm still pretty I'm pretty confident with my, uh, I like my, my Jabari for Otto Porter deal. Which is let Jabari go play meaningless minutes in Washington. They get out of a whole bunch of money, and in Chicago, it's actually a competent three, you know, albeit a very overpaid one. Mm. It's probably you know worth half of what he's paid. But hey, for they've got space, and they're not going to attract free agents with that management and this, this coach of theirs. So yeah. Anyway, I like I like the Jabari for auto deal. The dollars actually work, but uh, yeah, well, Washington's a train wreck. Dwight Howard hurt his backside. John Wall, quote unquote, needs heel surgery. Um, Bradley Beal likes to play hero ball and is not a playmaker. Surprise, surprise! In crunch time, uh, Jan Mahimi's playing big minutes, um, and Sam Decker is as well. And it just it's a that team is a that team's a joke. Well, if you want to, if you want to really watch a good game of two bad teams play a fourth quarter, watch the fourth quarter of overtime of the Hawks at Wolves, and the Wolves crowd booing the Wolves off the court. Oh, <gasps> really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and including, as but I said, the Covington, happened. the first Covington missed dunk was at the end of regulation. It would have been the game winner. Okay, I got to watch this before. You've got to watch I'll it. I'll watch this before bed tonight. That sounds terrific. So, wow, it's overtime as well, was it? It's overtime as well. So, it's a, you get five minutes extra of crap basketball. And uh, Trey Young hits a big three. Herder hits a big three. So, it was good good for Atlanta, but um, the so, Wolves. So, you know boy. what they say about experiences? It's, it's you know, the, the fans are going to remember how you begin and how you end, right? And it looks like Minnesota was down 42 to 27 after the first quarter. At home, and then choked away a game in overtime. So, oh boy, well, they were booing Wiggins at the three fair line. That's how bad he was playing. <laughs> no, they Wiggins. were not. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> that is, that's just not. He was. I was actually, oh I was God. upset because oh I was listening God, to the Atlanta right. calls. I was listening to the Atlanta callers. I wish I had been listening to the Minnesota callers. He was five for fourteen from the field and five for twelve from the line. Oh, Daz. He did have those two assists though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a career high, I reckon. Oh man, okay. Thank you for that train wreck uh, sort of it's like we need a um, 
like a you know like a fight center, like an air control tower. You know, where you're watching fights go in. Like you need to point me to the train wrecks as they're happening, like a hot spot analysis to go, ooh, right, train wreck in progress. And you switch to a Wolves game or switch to a Bulls game or a, a John Paxson press conference or something or a Robert Sarver press conference. So well, um, watch the Carl Anthony Towns close out of the her the three late. He, Cat looked like uh, Oliver Miller in his Phoenix Suns. Uh, the <laughs> well, I, I do love that. I, I do love that. Um, that Derek Rose is now formally is officially a starter on that team. It's like Tom Thibodeau's, you know, he's got his old his old comfy shoes on with Todd Gibson and and Derek Rose. It's starting. only a matter of time before L. Dot Ding gets a start. <laughs> hey, he's there. He's, he's watching. There. I'm surprised they haven't signed Noah yet. That's been the biggest. Hey, speaking of, hey, speaking of Jay Noah, he's he's, he's actually balling. Memphis, isn't he? He's all right. He's playing, Daz. He's okay. Yeah, he's well. not embarrassing himself. He's um. Which is, well, getting he came out and admitted that he partied too much in New York. Oh, God. <laughs> he admitted it. He's a shocker. He admitted it. He's a shocker. Anyway, oh, um, Choo Choo Washington and Ernie Grunfeld. Choo Choo Chicago. Choo Choo Glenn Taylor in Minnesota. It is the train wrecks are, are fun. And and good on you, Vlade Divac. And, well, it feels like, though, right, the. The feel-good story of the year, though, Daz, right? It's not without a Sacramento Kings twist that Dave Yeager hates the assistant general manager. So oh, there gonna, you go. It's going to end badly. You know that. It's but... gonna, something's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that was a fun, uh, fun walk through the league tonight. Oh, Daz, mate, that was good. It. Good to get back. So, well, hopefully, we'll get some more normality back as we hit into the new year, Daz. We, we certainly we have need to a talk. rhythm. Next Friday's Daz, game, yeah. we have to have a pod, uh, either to preview or review. Um, that game because that's going to be momentous. Something will happen. You yes. just, it's not going to be a game where it's, you know, well, there's you know what I mean? three it's not going days, to be one of those. Lo- neither team yeah. plays for three days leading up. So the, the league, oh, no. and, and it's just the way it's worked out. So it is going to be a build up. There's going to be media around it. Oh, Everyone's no. hanging on what Pop is going to say <laughs> before that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh oh, look, I've, I've got some thoughts on to Kawhi and to roll that. We need hold, to cover please this. hold them. We need we have to, to hold them, yeah. Because uh, and and they're not they're not positive, which may oh my God. may surprise you, Des. It may surprise you. I'd be interesting. I've I'll, I'll see if I've I I may not be any ever be more invested in a regular season game for two teams that have no bearing on the Bucks really <laughs> than I will be for becoming a Spurs fan that day, Dad. So It's so much, yeah. There's so much at stake. It, it, just in terms of how the crowd react to him and how I, I think... It's cause that's all about be pop in the crowd, isn't pop. it? Yeah. Because if Pop yeah. says, you know, we don't want to see that and he was great for this franchise, I still think you're going to see some booze, oh, but it won't be as bad. If Pop I... comes out and says... Basically, this guy threw us under the bus, or you know, words that affect, or basically just says, "Look, it's just another game to me." He's not a leader. You're yeah, going to have leaders. twenty thousand angry Mexicans <laughs> that are going to take their frustrations out on one guy, and it's going to be really nice I, to see. They wouldn't. They wouldn't go Philadelphia um, fans and throw batteries. Like they wouldn't. No, get, I don't think. I don't think they'll get. They wouldn't get. Hostile. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they'll get that like that. That's, I just it's... always, you know, worry about the. They have a lot of guns there in Texas, Dad. So <laughs> I don't want any pellets flying in the stadium. That, that would be a little bit too far. But uh, no. well, they did. Yeah. There were death threats against Zaza a couple of years ago. That's why he didn't didn't show up for games three and four in that series. <laughs> but that was probably more understandable. 
which we can all understand. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Good to talk to you again. Have a good New Year, and we'll uh, we'll we'll certainly try and touch base maybe next Thursday. Uh, Have and, a good New Year, buddy. The big game. All right, all right mate. Talk okay. See you, pal. Bye. Thank you.